So hi everyone, welcome to Step Zero. Today I am extremely excited for the upcoming conversation. I have two wonderful ladies here from N26 who actually have agreed to join me and talk about mental health at work. Nor van Boven, who's the Chief People Officer from uh, N26. And we have Monique, who also works in her team, and they have been extremely positive and very active in the topic of mental health as well. They have a very, very strong international human, human resources representation. Nor has uh, approximately 15 years of experience in various international companies, living in New York, living in Berlin, um, and really a story that I think she's definitely the best one to tell. And I would love to give her the, the introduction opportunity as well. And if that's possible, I would love it, Nora, if you could introduce yourself um, to our audience. I'm 100% that they would really love to hear what brought you here and what's your experience in the field of ad tech and tech-driven organizations. Oh. Uh, thank you so much for that introduction. Um, yeah, as you said, like I've worked uh, for uh, over 15 years in uh, uh, HR. Um, and uh, so over the years, I've also seen that topic of mental health change, right? Like it was always there, maybe not always labeled um, uh, as mental health as such as strongly as in the last couple of years. But the topic or, or the dynamics behind it have always been there, but just more or less um, uh, being accepted in the workplace. That's one thing. And the second thing that I've uh, really seen over the years is that the pressure and the responsibility of people and work, uh, with work also getting closer to home, um, uh, has increased over the years. Also, of course, also my own uh, experiences in that. Um, I'm now working for N26, as you mentioned, as the, the chief people officer. In this conversation, um, uh, I'm more coming from a generic HR approach, but uh, of course, uh, the environment of N26 is one of the experiences that I uh, will bring to the table. Uh, and I've been lucky to work abroad, but when we're talking about the topic of mental health, living abroad, and we might touch on that a little bit later, uh, additionally to the work, brings a lot of great experiences, but also different elements of stress to that, especially in the beginning when you just relocated and literally all of the elements in your life are a bit wobbly. And I can tell you that my most stressful moments have definitely been on the intersection of all of that. I couldn't agree more. We also relocated Mateo and myself several times before. And we had one of our podcasts that guests actually was, I think that's his hobby. He, he relocates all the time for, for work and he really enjoys that. But he touched exactly on what you said, how incredibly difficult can it be? It can be when you do that, but also when people in your team do that and how you kind of need to help them through those, those challenges. But before we touch on to the international uh, part of the topic and relocation, we had a very interesting conversation that I would love to touch back with you on uh, again, and that's mental health at work and the definition of health at work. I think you have a wonderful view on, on how it is and what it actually should be. Would you mind maybe sharing your view on this with us, um, how you see mental well-being at work and what do you think it should start with? Yeah, I think one of the uh, key challenges that we have that of course historically and i think especially the people looking at your podcast are familiar with the challenge that we don't bring the topic of uh, mental health enough to work um, and what you see with waves to normalize things is that we first amplify the bigger cases so we're talking about the employees mainly where there are severe mental health problems and um, there, I 
And uh, I hope that's not too controversial. I want to challenge us a bit in the broader conversation. Because if I compare over the years the difference, the outlier cases and the big cases of mental health issues in general in companies with care, right? And, 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 and maybe we still need to uh, push that further. There will be a tailored approach or solution crafted by the direct manager or the HR team, right? Um, I think what is um, more important for us to discuss, how is mental health becoming not an, um, an, a cool hashtag or only being discussed for the outlier cases, but how does it become an integrated part of our culture? It's very normal to talk about your uh, physical health, Right? So every company talks about, we give you a gym subscription, we want you to have healthy food, we want you to take care of, and, and um, uh, companies even like to promote to say working at us is like top sports. So you also need to take care of your body, right? But we don't talk about in that same way around mental health. And mental health should be a normal discussion at a coffee machine. Right? Because mental health is just how you feel mentally when you're work, walking in the office. And then in the most micro form, that already is because you woke up and you have a really, really, really bad day. Right? And that might not be a long-lasting severe problem. It might just be that one day. But there are very little people who say in the morning at the coffee machine, today I'm just really not so fine. Right? And there are very little people who have that conversation with the manager to say, today is not going to be my day. Right? There are some things that I need to do, but I feel that I don't feel the strength. I'm distracted. I'm tired. There might be a small topic happening in the background. Today is not the day. And tomorrow is the day. And tomorrow there will be 150% or a week later. Right? But having those that more as an ongoing part of the culture starts, in my opinion, with micro-initiatives that you can institutionalize as an organization that can really drive that change ongoingly. I think you touch on so many things, and if you see me here, I'm, I'm, I'm a notorious note-taker, and I'm, I'm putting a lot of notes down because there's so many valid points that you mentioned. I love the angle that you bring in, that having these conversations, it doesn't always have to be the most severe cases. It starts with those um, micro initiatives, right? This is also part of the prevention, making sure that people don't reach those severe cases. And, and I think you talked a lot about stigma, which is also imposed on people, but also stigma that we impose on ourselves. I'm not allowed to say what I, I want to say. Yeah. And that's one of the questions that I really want to ask, because I think we all have been in that position where you knew you were not well, but you still didn't say it. You were a little too afraid of, of being yourself or being honest. What is your opinion? Why are people afraid to say at that coffee machine to their manager, or even managers, why do why are they so afraid to their people? Today is not my day. I'm not, I'm not going to do my best. I'm going to do what I can, but tomorrow is going to be much better. Why is that such a scary thing to do? Yeah, I think we come from a, um, a really a work era that is defined by performance. And, um, and that's a bit of an, an side topic, but I think that we really need to go to transition from performance to impact. Um, and that might be a small wording association. Um, but if you talk about, are you, do you as an employee have the highest impact? 
at the moment? How can you have the highest impact in a company? Like in the end, I mean, if someone in my team is performing really highly on a topic that doesn't have the highest impact for my organization, that's a great performance. But like in the end, I need to have the impact, right? So when you're talking about impact, then you can also relate, like, are you currently feeling in a state that you can have the highest impact? But coming from those very performance-driven cultures, I mean, had that for years, then of course it becomes very um, um, threatening to say, I'm not performing today, right? So I can still have an impact, I will still have an impact, but today I'm not performing. Um, and that is of course, if you're talking for years and years and years about paying for performance, Performance ratings being very linked still in a lot of companies uh, related to how many hours are you at work, right? Uh, and the visibility. So it comes with a much more freer way of thinking um, uh, that we're moving into now. Uh, but I think those stigmas, yeah, we have institutionalized those stigmas as society and we're all part of society. Society is not an outside thing. Society is the collective of all of us. So of course we're also doing it to ourselves. We're doing it to ourselves and we're doing it to others. The beauty of it is, of course, that the change then also is with ourselves. So we have the full control. We're, we're the cause, but we're also the solution. Yeah, and that's where I think really companies can also come in when, when you're able to transmit that message and make sure that you educate your leaders and, and you communicate effectively. Then people understand, I have the control. I can make an impact and I can decide how. And, and I think that brings us to a lot of things. Again, I think I could, I could ask you questions for hours about definition of impact and performance and, and all these things that I think are so relevant. And I love that you're actually talking about it just as much as we also talked about how companies need to realize that the generation that they hired before, you know, you talked a lot about perks, about gyms, and we have to take care of ourselves. What, what, what these perks were 10, 15 years ago, we offered it, you know, that was the, the new era of Facebook and Google's. They were trying to hire these people. Now those individuals are older. They have families. They have very different things. Their needs are very different than also what these, what these perks are. So, I would love to turn this conversation a little bit also towards the topic of, of leadership and the education because what you talk about makes complete sense, but it's so new for a lot of smaller organizations or organizations in growth phase, phases. How do you make sure that your leaders and your people really understand that it's all about impact and that, for example, that companies will not think, uh, okay, what if I change it to impact? Is my performance going to go down? Is my bottom line going to be hurt? How do you get through that conversation when you're building an organization for the future, focusing on individual impact and well-being, which I think we both are aligned on, is definitely the basis for any successful corporation's future? Yeah, it's really complex. I don't think it's it's um, uh, only challenging for small companies, right? Like the, uh, I have never worked, also not now at N26, with a company where the journey was finished. Um, and it's very dependent also on and, uh, managers and leaders. So as, especially if you're a bit larger and you grew really fast, um, there will probably be different experiences and different teams, right? Um, I think there are a couple of things you can do as an organization to guide that journey. Um, and um, for example, a very small thing, but what a lot of uh, companies already start doing, but I can really recommend every company that's not doing it, 
is uh, to introduce check-ins and check-outs, right? It's a really small thing, right? And it might, for teams who have never done it, start the first couple of times a little bit awkward. Um, so just for people who don't know what check-ins and check-outs are, it basically is that at the beginning of the meeting that you do a quick round, how do you feel? Right? And it's just to give everyone also an insight of today I'm distracted or I'm stressed or I'm super happy or basically this meeting is in between um, and, uh, me and my social drink so I can't wait for this meeting to be over. Also be transparent about that. But it's also really good then, then everyone is aware of like, okay, right? if someone in the team says, I'm really stressed out, everything is on my mind. You know that the full attention is not there and that people need to go through it. And then you can also start to create, have the opening. And if multiple people feel really stressed, you can also reopen the conversation of, should we have this meeting right now? Or sometimes also have the freedom as a manager or leader to reset the agenda, right? I've had meetings with my team where the pressure was so high and we were working with so many people that there was really a need, very like a light thing, but just to laugh and just talk about some silly stuff. That's also okay, right? This perception of like, Every meeting needs to be functional. Yes, we shouldn't waste time all day long. Of course, we need to respect each other's time. But when you feel as a team like, I need this moment of safety in the group, where I can just offload the stress that I experienced the days before, um, the problem I'm trying to solve and have absolutely no clue how to solve it and I feel very much in the spotlight and I need help, or I just have stress at home. I just woke up with my relationship and actually it's taking over my mind. It's like having that check-in at the beginning of a meeting can redirect your meeting. Then you should also be willing to rechange the meeting. But nine out of 10 meetings, it's just around to get a temperature for how everyone feels, right? And if it's a longer meeting, you don't need to do it with a 30-minute meeting, but say you have an off-site, for example, it's important at the end of the day to say, how do you feel now? Right? And it's also that moment where people can reconnect because if the, the colleague who is really stressed out, was stressed out in the morning says, I'm now actually way more stressed out because of what we discussed today, that people can follow up socially to say, okay, let's clear that out. Right? So that, that's a really small thing. A second thing is um, uh, what a lot of people do at home uh, but should also be applicable um, uh, at work, and you need to call that out to your team, is like, don't go to bed angry or worried, right? Because there are, it could be that I send out an email to a recruiter thinking that they have context and they don't have context, and they are like, oh my God, what is this, right? And I send it out on Friday afternoon, and they're worried about it the entire weekend. That has happened in my team, for sure. Uh, and then they set up a meeting on Monday. And the entire weekend they've been worrying. And what I always say is like, call me anytime, even on Friday evening, because no one goes to work with the idea or exit work to think I'm going to make someone's life miserable. So if you get an email and it has that impact on you, assume that that's not the intent and get that clarification immediately so you don't increase any stress, right? So these are all 
very micro things that don't immediately solve larger mental health cases, but they start to contribute to a culture of being very open uh, in talking about what it emotionally and psychologically does to you, a meeting how you are today, but also what the impact is on behaviors of others. Absolutely, and that takes also a lot from the leader. I mean, you said that yourself. You communicate that very clear and loud to your team. I'm approachable. You can come to me, call me, because as you said, it, it, it's no one's intention to make your life or work miserable on a Monday or any day or over the weekend. And as you said, if it keeps happening and it doesn't get being, it doesn't get addressed, that's when on the long-term burnout happens, much more serious issues that is going to have a negative impact on that person, but of course on the company as well and on the longer run. So I really appreciate you, you talking about this because communication is one thing that I would love to address with you once more because I think exactly what you say being open and say you can be direct with me be yourself I can't read your mind so tell me what exactly you're going through and we'll see what we can do together but also the flexibility that you show you know a lot of the companies that are going through fast growth they love the idea of processes putting a process in place for everything and limit their own flexibility that allows them to be a little bit more human in, in that process and that's something that I, I found very interesting what you mentioned be flexible if you read the room, you get the feedback from individuals, adjust what's going on around you. Is it something that you saw that was um, uh, relatively easy to implement or get people open up to, to know that it's okay to change things around, it's not gonna have a negative impact, you have the power to change, be flexible, and maybe reschedule a meeting, or is it something that you feel people were a little bit reluctant to, um, to understand and go with um, uh, once you actually started talking about that? In my personal experience, it really depends on um, the audience, right? So, for example, uh, I can say this in the safety of this audience. Um, for example, we started this with the executive team because as executives, we all have our own agenda and our stress is not always coming from our, is not always aligned stress, right? There could be times where I have more stress than the CTO uh, or the other way around, right? Um, but then the meetings that we have are full day meetings, often 10 hours with a super tight agenda. There's always the time pressure on decision making, right? Like those are by definition stressful days, right? Because what you do has impact. It requires all, um, uh, it really requires your focus for a very long stretch in time. And sometimes every quarter, that's even three days in a row. And of those three days apart is over the weekend. And people also have children, right? So then in, the meet, in between the meeting, people go out to quickly read a book to their children. That creates a lot of stress, right? Because you're distracted by what time is it? I should call. I have all this other stuff happening. So by definition, those, those timeframes, they're really good and helpful from, from an alignment to company perspective. I stand over that we need to have them. But there is a lot of distracting stress happening in everyone's mind that the output of those meetings is really determined by how we are in the moment, right? Um, and what happens, and I think a lot of leader teams will recognize that, in every break, you're calling with your team, you're doing stuff, da -da 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 -da, you go back in and everyone starts again. And at one point, actually an external facilitator told us, 
you need to change this. You will be way more effective and introduce the check-in so that even we do a check-in after a break so people also slowly land in the meeting, right? So you're not coming from that call doof in the next topic. Um, but in that surrounding, it's very difficult to adjust the agenda to it. So we, we have done this now, I think, for already a year and a half. Like we do it consistently, every executive meeting. And in the beginning, it was like a taught routine. So it would really be, how are you? I'm like this, da, 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 da. Okay, next, right? So I can say that it's always like really, you're really sharing. But that's, it's also okay, by the way, with some habits to just start it and even get through the awkwardness. And now it are truly conversations. So now we have reached the point where we would change topics around, for example, and say, but okay, people feel like this. Let's start with a lighter topic in the morning and swap around the topic. For my own direct reports team, yeah, these are all people leaders, right? So that's a bit easier. Um, I think the openness is a, is a very different level. Um, so there, we never had to get eased into it. And I think it comes very natural for us to start asking, how are you? And to be sincerely interested in it. Um, I wanted to say one thing on what you said of like companies like uh, process and programs to set it up. Um, I recognize that and sometimes also helpful because even though I'm saying to people in my team, you can reach out and I think I'm the most approachable person ever. I'm pretty sure your team will tell me I'm not, right? And not, that's, and not only, maybe some people as well, by character or my Dutch directness, but also because people just respect your calendar and they see a really busy calendar, so, so they don't dare to prioritize it. And one of the things, and the team actually came up with that themselves, was that they said, can we set up a routine for skip level meetings. So what we now introduced, and other teams are now going to copy it, but we started it in the people team, is that the people team leader team has a weekly slot where people can sign up for. And that makes it way easier because you're giving people the permission, that time is for me to speak to someone of you. And then it's also easier because then you make the direct connection to say, I am really interested. I want to follow up with you on that. I want you, like I now really actively ask you to schedule a follow-up coffee, right? But that, and that lowers the barrier. So there are also more structured things that you can put in place to create a dialogue a little bit more in a programmatic way uh, to ease that. I, I love the terminology that you used and, and, and I love how you explain in a very, very practical matter what designing an organization towards the health of an individual actually means. You, you're basically creating a slot where people can speak up. You're giving them the opportunity to come in, to book some time, and to really open that conversation. Because at the end of the day, as you said, it starts with a question that is genuine, but you need to give people the feeling of being safe in an environment to really be able to genuinely answer that, how are you, and, and really open up to you. Um, Nora, I actually really hate uh, that we're coming close to the end of this podcast because I'm really, really loving the conversation. And as I mentioned to you, I, I think I could actually keep you for a couple of hours here. Um, I really appreciate your honesty, honesty and your freshness that you bring in and the direct approach, but still very personal approach of what it means to start with the executive level, you know, leading by example. And that doesn't always have to be a manager. As you said, your team started something that now other people 
see the benefit to. And I think these type of examples, we need more and we need to encourage that type of um, individual idea implementation. And by individual, I can mean certain teams or, or people as well. And I think that's something that a lot of companies can take away from. As the last question, I'll try to keep it to one because I usually make it two. Um, you gave us a lot of uh, practical tips and examples of what organizations can do. And we talked a little bit about this, um, you know, the, the whole COVID and virus situation has been very, very challenging, not just for companies, but individuals as well. May I ask you if you could share maybe your idea or a recommendation of anyone listening to this podcast right now who's not well, who's struggling. It's quite difficult right now. We're all on Zoom calls or, or different, you know, virtual conference calls. Um, what this person can do to reach out or how can they reach out? What can they do even if they're terrified but they need help? How can they do that and should they do that? Yeah, look, the last question is the easiest to answer. Yeah, absolutely, right? Like, and um, I mean, everyone in their life has been in, in different levels of stress, right? And um, uh, I don't know if, like, I think that counts for a lot of people. I know it for myself that um, my friends call me when they don't hear anything, right? Because then they know, oh, something is wrong. And my, my best friend would send me a text, I haven't heard anything, now I'm worried, right? So I think there's a tendency in human beings to go really introvert. Uh, and not reaching out when you don't feel well, but that's actually the the um, uh, visual circle, right? And like from, there's an element to company perspective and there's a personal perspective, right? Like I think the most important thing is that you share with someone that you're not well. And because it's okay to not be well. There is literally no one in the world who's always well. That's impossible, right? So there is, Go to the person and your gut feel knows who the people are that you can trust, right? This, you have nothing to lose. Just go there. Um, and also on a company level, people sometimes feel like HR, the policy makers, HR people are people people, right? And whether they've shown it in their processes or the biases that you might have, they really care. Um, uh, and you don't need to go to the spokesperson if you don't have a relationship with that spokesperson but it is important to reach out to someone when it's especially when it impacts your work or how you're feeling to make sure that the one person in the people team and doesn't matter what role they have but that you trust or that you feel that's someone with empathy i can talk to because your, your company might be able to do way more for you than you're aware of but an hr department can't put out a catalog of help, but there are resources, there are people who are willing to help to create a tailored approach for you. So really speak up uh, uh, about it. And the last thing is, and that of course depends on the, the comfort level with your colleagues or your manager. Um, but I hope that for most people, the manager is also someone that you trust. Um, uh, and if that is someone, where you do feel comfortable and you can decide to what extent, but make sure that they know about it. And don't be afraid of your job by saying, I think that this will temporarily have an impact. And I, I will make up for that, but I need your help to help me bounce back, right? And these are, and maybe you don't even know what you need to bounce back, but your manager can help you 
and help you orchestrate either adjust work when you need it, um, reach out for you to the HR team if you need additional help. Because in my career, I have seen, of course, I've seen cases where managers are not stepping up to the game that I expect, but I have seen 100 times more cases that managers that you might not think of on the first instant to be the most empathetic, really stepping up uh, and being there for the employees. That chance is 100 times higher than that you have that one manager who doesn't know what to do. Nora, I'm, I'm a little speechless right now. I think there's, there's no way that you can actually leave or, or finish a conversation on a higher note and more honest and more human note. I, I love the fact that you talk about tailored approaches. Again, encouraging people to be themselves, just to own up to what they're going through. Um, and the fact that, you know, also a person your caliber and, and your experience says, we can do more for you than you might actually think. It all starts with that one conversation. And I think one of the, the greatest things that I can also personally take away from this conversation is actually ask the question of how are you and genuinely care for that answer. And I think that in a work context is, is something wonderful. And as you said, uh, we called it, you know, micro initiatives. These are very, very micro human approaches that I think uh, all give us and each other a safe space to be ourselves and to be healthy. And I think putting that in, in the organizational perspective is, is wonderful. And with the ideas, I think we all can take a lot of practical examples with of what we can do already today and what we can do tomorrow. And that's something that I would love to thank you for. Um, this conversation has been extremely enjoyable. I really appreciate the feedback and the examples that you brought in. And I think that our audience would do the absolute same thing too. We'll make sure that um, we reference you in the conversation so that in case there's questions um, that people can, can reach you as well. And thank you so much for, for bringing your experience, your whole person to this conversation and your time. Um, and I really hope to potentially have you back maybe one day as well. And for all our zero listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed uh, this conversation as much as I did. Um, and uh, I wish you all a wonderful day and uh, let's tune in the next time as well. Well, thank you again, Nora. Thank you, Monique. Thank you. Thank you.